1: And we are recording, and uh, Doctor Stephanie Senef a a baptism by fire, uh, being initiated into the Tommy's podcast library by me being late and me being completely off schedule. Which is, I guess, uh I guess that's that's the that's the fire of initiation. That means you're a true guest now. If you've been rescheduled and delayed, then that you're you're in the inner circle now. Um, but. For everybody listening, today is Monday, November 14th, 2022 at 3 or 4 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, your book came as a suggestion to me by uh, one of my followers that it was a must read. And I read it and it's uh, it's terrifying. Um, It's it's a lot of it. I've it's been nine years since I graduated. So my biology and biochemistry is a little rusty, but it does seem that this is almost an inescapable thing and your book is toxic legacy how really well how glyphosate glyphosate is destroying our bodies our minds our ability to reproduce our our neurodivergence autism um and not just us in all animals and obviously you wrap the book up in a in a bow that it's it's not too late right i think your analogy was it's like a barge it can go the wrong direction and it can be it can seem disillusioning why turn it around but You know, as someone that has fluctuated in weight wildly, yeah, when you're 60 pounds overweight, you can, it's easy to sit there and go, why change? It's going to take forever. And it does. But as someone that's also lost a lot of weight, just start and it moves slowly like the barge. And then a year goes by in the blink of an eye and you feel better, your clothes fit better and you're like,
0: oh,
1: it was worth it. But enough of me monologuing. Dr. Seneff, please introduce yourself.
0: Okay, well, my name is Stephanie Seneff. I'm a senior research scientist at MIT, where I have worked all my life, and also my education was entirely at MIT, uh, undergraduate in biology, and then advanced degrees uh, in electrical engineering and computer science, MS, EE, and PhD degrees in electrical engineering and computer science. And most of my career, I was developing the technology that preceded things like Siri and Amazon Echo, oh, really? conversational interfaces. Uh, between humans and computers we we were among the first to develop those kinds of technologies oh really uh, yeah so very different from what i'm doing now um i got interested in autism about around 2006 2007 time frame worried about the fact that the rates were going up every year in our country every year the autism rates were higher and we're just diagnosing it more don't worry about it i didn't believe that i thought something was going on and so um I decided to just start taking a look at environmental chemicals and try to figure out which ones might be contributing to autism and um, started off with the vaccines because of course there are many anti-vaxxers who believe that the Mm -hmm. vaccines are causing autism. And I think there's something to that. I think vaccines are contributing. But I think at this point, I'm pretty convinced that the primary cause of the epidemic, not the only thing that causes autism, but the primary cause of the autism epidemic is glyphosate. And it's the primary cause of the epidemic and a lot of other diseases that are going up dramatically, including obesity, diabetes, obesity, um, Alzheimer's, um, various cancers like pancreatic cancer, thyroid cancer, liver problems, kidney problems, all these things are going up. uh, Despite all the best efforts of pharmaceutical industry, they're not succeeding in improving anything. In fact, everything keeps getting worse. And so you can see how incredibly uh, the incredible increase in the number of people who were morbidly obese Mm -hmm. in this country in my lifetime. Certainly when I was uh, young, I would have gawked if I saw someone that now is sort of, you you don't even notice that they're unusual because there are so many of them, you know? So, yeah, Yeah. it's pretty shocking. And, And it's a very interesting chemical. It's pervasive in our environment. It's all over the food supply. The government doesn't care. They claim it's completely safe. People use it on their lawns when their kids are playing outside. They don't use any protection. People, Everyone thinks it's super safe. It's a great chemical. Kills all weeds, kills all plants, except those that, that have been engineered to resist it and perfectly harmless to humans. That's the message we've gotten. And we've gotten that message for so long that people are in disbelief when I say, no, that's not true. And, and you know, you can go down to your garden store. You see big rows of, of Roundup for sale. Roundup is glyphosate. Um, Everyone treats it very casually because it's so pervasive, so commonly used. And people just um, it, it's, a, it's a level of disbelief to say that government didn't notice that this chemical was so toxic for all this time. It's really a level of disbelief.
1: You in the book you bring up and for everybody listening, it's a uh, it's available on Audible. I'll put the link in the description as always. I highly recommend it. And as everyone knows, this is a one man show. Uh, I'm my own boss. I don't I don't have on guests I don't want to have on. I don't recommend books I don't like. I have no there's no carrot dangling. I don't care. So if I recommend it, I recommend it. Um, You mentioned in the book something that I bring up a lot Um, was the thalidomide case and how that was, I think, one of the more easily uh, digestible cases is like you know the doctor smoking the lucky strike nine out of ten cardiologists (laughs) approve and it's like hold on right (laughs) or you know but yes but the thalidomide case is another example of it's safe it's effective i mean more recently you can look at uh the purdue fan or the purdue company the sackler family um i
0: read read a book about them pharma by
1: yeah there's a book yeah pharma by gerald posner is a great book about that and You know, and then now the very reason I'm banned from YouTube is, of course, talking to Dr. Malone and Dr. McCullough about COVID vaccines and adverse events. So
0: which is also something that I'm very passionate about.
1: Yeah. And and it's uh, you and
0: I are working, collaborating on papers uh, on the mRNA vaccine.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's and so the precedent is there that you can find an older precedent, the lucky strikes, or, you know, you can find a more comical precedent, you know, like 1899 it's like if your baby's crying give it some heroin like all right you know but then we can even see in my lifetime i was born in 1990 we can see the opioid epidemic right and the fact that they're developing suboxone while they're saying that oxycontin was safe so the precedent is there for not only for the truth to be bent but to be completely inverted i mean almost comically inverted um could you for the listeners could you maybe give a a a quick rundown. I know you just said it's and it's it, it kills all the weeds and it will kills everything except the plants engineered against it Um, for the layman, myself included. Could you explain why it is so dangerous? I mean, I know you go into the, the residue locations and the amino acids and the breaking down and the gut biome and. That flew over my head and I, I did pretty well in biology. So
0: <laughs> I know it's, it's not easy science. No, and certainly not. the gut microbiome is central, I think, to the beginnings of the te- toxicity sure. of this chemical. Uh, and the fact that it's all over the food supply, people don't appreciate that. Zen Honeycutt, Elf Moms Across America, just did a study. Um, she had moms, you know, collect uh, school lunches from the public school system, just get samples of school lunches and send them to a lab. And she got them tested for all kinds of things, but but a big test was for glyphosate, and they found 95 percent of the samples contained detectable amounts of glyphosate in them, and even more than 95 percent contained ampa, which is a breakdown product of glyphosate, and some of them contained shockingly high levels of glyphosate, like a pizza, you know, a piece of pizza. So, um, glyphosate is is present in high concentrations in the foods that kids love, such as pizza. You know wheat based products wheat is not a gmo crop but it is sprayed with glyphosate routinely mm-hmm. right at right before the harvest wheat and oats and barley and legumes which is like chickpeas and garbanzo beans hummus for example sky high levels of glyphosate in these products if you don't buy them organic and um and oats so for example oatmeal children's oatmeal or, or cheerios a very popular cereal you have to buy organic cereals if you're going to feed your children cereal and so there's some simple things you can be educated about to know how to keep your family safe or at least safer, which foods you really, really need to buy organic um, and, and luckily certified organic exists and it's growing in popularity popularity where I live it's pretty easy to, to feed yourself completely on organic food when you go shopping. Uh, that's not true everywhere. Mm-hmm. I know that for a fact, because I've been in places where you really have to struggle, uh, you know, more remote, remote parts of the country. Um, Glyphosate, um, it it, uh, disrupts a particular pathway called the shikimate pathway in biology, a biological pathway that's incredibly important for the plants. That's why it kills all the plants. But they did figure out, they found a a, a microbe that produces a version of the specific enzyme that it really messes up um, that is completely insensitive to glyphosate. So it's a modification of the enzyme that makes it insensitive. And they stuck that microbial enzyme into the plant's genome. They can do that with this GMO technology. They have very sophisticated methods to do extraordinary things, which is frightening to me. The GMO technology is way too powerful.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they create these plants that um, have this special (laughs) microbial gene that allows them to go ahead and make that pathway work despite being exposed to glyphosate. And that's the trick with the GMO crops. It's a wonderful boon for farming. You just spray the chemical all over the crop. It gets it kills the weeds, doesn't kill the crop. Very convenient, very cheap. You don't have to hire people to pull weeds, and you know, and you don't have to be specific to only locate, you know, yeah. put the chemical on the weed and not the plant. That's very difficult. Yeah. So um, it's been so terrific, you know, as far as making farming easy, that the farmers have become lazy, and they've kind of gotten to the point where they don't think they can live without this chemical. That's a sad situation we're in right now, and so the consumers increasingly are demanding. Uh, Organic, But the farmers are not necessarily, it's not easy for them to transition to organic. If they've been using glyphosate for years, they've got it all over the soil. There was a study in Brazil that showed glyphosate was getting, levels in the soil were getting higher and higher every year. So it's not going away. Every year you use it, you've got more in the soil. It's not completely disintegrating. Uh, and, And Monsanto had claimed that it will disappear in a couple of weeks. That's really only on under the most ideal conditions. Yeah. So it's around everywhere. If you live near a farm, you've got really big problems because if they're spraying the glyphosate, you're going to breathe it in. Yeah. And uh and that's gonna kill your lungs, I suspect. You know, so
1: I mean the ideal conditions, wasn't it? Um I don't want to like slander, but I think it was Chrysler. There's one of the companies making an electric vehicle and they actually had a chip modification just for the trials like the EPA trials
0: oh there was a, there was a real scam uh, yeah, yeah scandal well, I, with, I'm um, not sure if it was VW, Christ no. I think it was VW
1: okay I don't want I don't want to slander so I don't yeah. I, need, I need some lawsuit from a trillion dollar auto company they <laughs> found
0: a way to to get past the regulatory process by cheating basically and, and they that's got amazing. caught I mean that's the thing they do get caught so you have to
1: it's again it's those ideal um, video games do it video game comp I love video games you know, EA will do it. You'll, you'll always see it when they release a trailer for a new game. It's brilliant. The reflections are incredible. The ray tracing, the light and you're like, Oh, that's great. And then you spend $60 on the game. And you're like, what the hell is this and it's <laughs> completely reduced. So even that yeah. is a, I think the, I think the first thing is just becoming, becoming aware. I mean, uh, uh, Nick Bryan, uh, is an investigative journalist and he wrote a book on, um, on child trafficking and it called the Franklin scandal and it's terrifying. And um, I I listened to an interview with him and the interviewer kind of said towards the end of it, they're like, I mean, they're like what you're proposing is that this runs to the highest levels of government. Like what can one even do? And that's what I was thinking is like you read it. It's so invasive. And the point is, is he says, and I think this is applicable to everything. And he goes, well, the very first step, as as daunting as the challenge can seem, the very first step is diagnosing the problem. Mm-hmm. And before you can even do that, before you can even take the first step, is awareness. And when you look at it that way, because it, we can read these things about glyphosate, about child trafficking, about, you know, climate change, about crime and it it can seem daunting because you're one person you're in an apartment and you're like well what am i gonna do about the fed printing nine trillion dollars or something and it's and that can that can push you into a hole of inaction right i I'm
0: know like that's it. true i mean you see so many problems in the world and it's hard for you to know which ones to take on personally yes and then to feel helpless that whatever you might do is such a tiny drop in the bucket compared to what's needed that why should i even try why don't i just give up and enjoy my Water. life you know
1: and I think a lot of
0: people, I think end up doing that. I can't I, bite this. It's too big. You know,
1: I, I did that for a long time and not, not to be some, some motivational speaker, but it really does start with controlling your own environment, just making your bed, eating healthier, going to the gym, little things. And then you can go, you know what, maybe I won't change the whole thing, but you're not power. I'm not saying that you're going to move the mountain, but you can certainly get a shovel and and make a couple movements. And I think that's why your book is important is I had never heard of it and not, you know, I've got, I've got a swelled ego. I like to think I'm a well-read guy. I'd never heard of glyphosate and I'm reading this and I'm going, Oh my God.
0: And yeah, I had not heard of it either until I heard that (laughs) lecture. I mean, it's pretty amazing because I was studying autism for five years. I didn't, I I knew about Roundup um, and I dismissed Uh it. It wasn't on my list of things to look at. You know, I was looking at different possible chemical environmental exposures, but I wasn't looking at Roundup because Roundup's safe. And it just happened to be that I was at this conference where um, Professor Don Huber gave a two hour presentation on glyphosate, 2012, September, 2012. I remember it well, because I was on the edge of my seat and I was like, oh my God, this is it. I, I was just like, I went running out the door to go find some papers on glyphosate. I mean, it was so, so clear to me. And that was partly because I had already learned about autism and the various symptoms. These kids have a very complicated disease you know, with a lot of comorbidities, it's not just a brain problem. Most of them have a lot of gut issues. Yeah. So I was thinking something in the gut, something in the food, you know, I was already predisposed to be, to welcome glyphosate as, as the answer, Mm -hmm. you know, but I just had no idea the extent to which it was used in farming. I had no idea the extent to which it was present in our food. I just didn't know, you know,
1: there's, there's another, and again, not to, not to, not to pigeonhole this podcast into uh, a rabbit hole of abstract motivational speaking, but there is an importance to putting it out there because, and I heard this quote forever ago, but it was like, you know, putting the truth out there isn't, it's not futile because sometimes it's like throwing a message in a bottle out into the ocean. And it's, you know, it's for example, let's say it's, let's say it's Einstein and he's on a sinking ship and he writes E equals MC square and he throws it out. Most people that pick that up are not going to know what it is.
0: Gross. But maybe
1: one person out of a billion bottles picks it up and it's Enrico Fermi. Then all of a sudden yeah. you go, so.
0: Well, that's the thing. I actually see that with the science that I'm doing because yeah. I'm finding uh, glyphosate really opened a door for me in terms yes. of getting into digging into biology and how it works and how it gets broken. Because it's it, glyphosate is a really good um Experimental test is just to break biology, and then to say if it broke through this method, then what does that mean about what it does? Yes, Uh, that's been so fascinating. I think that comes through in my book, my own excitement about um, how it reveals how biology works and how it breaks it. You know, and it's very interesting with glyphosate because, and I want to get into this, and I know it's a little bit technical, but it has a unique property. I believe glyphosate is a unique chemical with a diabolical mechanism of toxicity that no other chemical that I'm aware of possesses. And this is its ability to pretend to be glycine.
1: Mm.
0: It's really, really critical. Glycine is a a very important amino acid. It's something you can take as a supplement. Apparently Mm -hmm. it tastes sweet and and a lot of uh, practitioners recommend it um, as a supplement. Um, glycine is an amino acid and the amino acids are the building blocks of proteins and the DNA code codes for amino acids. So they're super important in the body. And you can put these amino acids together like beads on a string Mm -hmm. and make all kinds of really fascinating molecules that have incredible skills, you know, all the enzymes and the transporters and the, um, in the extracellular matrix. I mean, there's just all these um, structural proteins, you know, like collagen, all these proteins have wonderful properties, and um, are crucial. And, and so people can have a mutation, just a single amino acid swapped out for something else. In many, many examples of this, it's called a single nu- nucleotide uh, you know, error. And, um, and that protein is completely clobbered by that mm-hmm. change. So certain places in certain proteins, there are certain amino acids that are absolutely essential to be there or else that protein won't work. And it turns out glycine is essential in a lot of amino acids, a lot of proteins. Glycine is an essential amino acid. You can swap it out for something else and you can get a very severe disease, even to the point where you're not a viable fetus because you've got that mutation, the fetus dies in, in, in utero. So, you know, so when you start uh, swapping out glycine and putting in glyphosate in place of glycine, that's like making a genetic change. It's, and if you do that in a protein where it's critical, you're going to mess that protein up really badly.
1: It's such a fundamental change. It's like, it's like going to a manufacturing plant or something, like the very beginning of a like a stage of production and changing the measurement system from inches to centimeters. Like it's mm-hmm. so fun. It's not. It's not losing a limb. It's such a fundamental. It's the building blocks of the building blocks of the building blocks. Mm-hmm. so if you twist it. I mean, you look at the complexity of protein folding, the entire thing is, it's done for. The entire, right, I mean, protein kind of folding outward.
0: is totally amazing. Uh, really, uh, it really gives you a lot of respect for biology when you see how elegant it is uh, in terms of how it all works. And, um, But, you know, I can give some simple examples with sure. respect to uh, glyphosate, because in the gut, and of course the, the microbes depend upon this pathway, our microbes, the microbes in our gut have that same shikimate pathway, have that same enzyme that gets wrecked. So their version of that enzyme gets wrecked if they don't if they have glycine at that particular spot, and I talk quite a bit about that in my book, particular spot where this protein binds phosphate and that has to have a glycine there also can't work. Um, except that there are these rare cases where these microbes figured out how to change glycine to alanine, which is a minimal change, and then tweak the rest of the stuff around this active site to correct for that, and they can produce a version of that enzyme that will work with the amino acid alanine instead of glycine that's an extra methyl group so it's a small change from glycine it's kind of the amino acid that's most similar to glycine Mm -hmm. and so these other these particular microbes that are resistant to glyphosate have done that and then the gmo crops have taken that enzyme with alanine instead of glycine and put it into those crops that are resistant which is how they get protected from glyphosate Mm. but if the if the enzyme contains glycine at that spot then it's vulnerable to glyphosate. And, and they've shown experimentally that if you change the glycine to something else, the enzyme com, com, becomes completely uh, insensitive to glyphosate. So it's a very strong indicator that what glycine, what glyphosate is doing is actually replacing glycine in the enzyme. And this is an important point because the chemical industry is denying that this is possible. So I have ta- I have taken a strong position to say, this is what's happening. And they're saying, no, 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 it's impossible. So we have a bit of a disagreement there. <laughs> if well, that, you will.
1: that always means you're in good. Co- and the history of science, it always means you're in good company. If some powerful forces go, that's not true. You're on the right path. I think yeah, history well, is I think that. so.
0: And, and what then became fascinating for me was to find human enzymes um, that I basically have now a model for what I should look for an enzyme that has a place where it binds phosphate, where it has the glycine is absolutely conserved. And if that glycine gets replaced, it's, the enzyme is wrecked. That's a model, you know, which is what happens in that e- EPSB synthase, the enzyme that gets wrecked in the plants. That's the situation there. So now you can go find human enzymes that have the same situation. And there are a lot of them because they're enzymes that bind ATP. ATP is the energy currency of the mm-hmm. cell. And so, for example, ATP synthase—you know—it it, it depends upon ATP; it's going to have be affected. There's an enzyme called succinate dehydrogenase that works in the mitochondria, and that's been shown to be suppressed by glyphosate experimentally. And it makes perfect sense because it has exactly that situation: binding to phosphate at a place where it has a highly conserved glycine. So that's basically my pattern that I look for, and I can find the enzymes. And um, and then I can find. So it's a giant puzzle that I've put together where you say, oh, it causes this problem. Um, If you had the mutation in glycine in this enzyme, you would have this problem. You know, the same problem that glyphosate has been shown to cause, or at least it's correlated. You know, obesity rates are going up in step with the rise in glyphosate usage. Well, maybe that has something to do with an inability to process fats, you know, so you can sort of work it all out and then find the critical enzymes that are probably being affected. To cause the symptoms. And it's a very broad list of different conditions you can have as a consequence of glyphosate messing up your enzymes. It's, it's really scary when you think about the potential consequences of that.
1: I mean, that would be an across the board mortality increase if does it affect if you affect mitochondria i mean that's just you know it's as if nothing else kills you the act of breathing eventually kills you right oxidation of the electron transfer i
0: know yeah you probably are aware that mitochondrial dysfunction is linked to many many diseases well
1: that's ultimately the if you survive everything else that's aging that's the one that will get you right that's sort of the built-in um um what's what's the term uh, uh senescence senescence i think senescence so. that's right uh, yes yeah. and, and glyphosate
0: uh, basically causes senescence you know and so and when you wipe out the mitochondria um, the well, cell that, can't get enough HEP, you know, it's yeah. in big trouble. Um, and the mitochondria starts spewing out reactive oxygen too. And so.
1: then, and then it starts to, ox- it starts to destroy itself, which is like, yeah, a, printer. It it, it, yeah, it like a printer. It's like a printer copying you know, faulty prints of itself. And then it's just, it's self analogy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, a good analogy. And succinate
0: I'm, dehydrogenase deficiency is linked to many, many cancers. So, um, it, and you could expect that because cancers really start with mitochondrial dysfunction, I think.
1: I feel like a, uh,
0: disease.
1: I feel like an archeologist, like dusting off the Rosetta stone. I'm like trying to like, I'm digging up these like memories and like neuron connections from 10 mm-hmm. years ago that I haven't, like se- cellular biology, 3,400 at UGA is, is coming back to me. It's in essence and protein chains and cations. And does, but does it, does it affect the actual, I remember I used to draw it out the actual electron transport chain. Does it affect that as well?
0: Well, it does, but it's through disrupting these enzymes. You okay. know, For example, NADPH dehydrogenase. It, it disrupts many, many dehydrogenases, which makes sense to me because the dehydrogenases typically bind phosphate at a site where glycine is highly conserved. There was a lovely study on E. coli. They exposed the E. coli to glyphosate, and they actually did, measured um, a huge number of enzymes to see which ones were being suppressed, and they have a big table they created. And there were like over a dozen dehydrogenases that were messed up in the E. coli as a consequence of glyphosate, which makes perfect sense because they, because as I said, they have that what I call glyphosate susceptibility motif. But so succinate dehydrogenase, you know, is a dehydrogenase and gets and it actually delivers uh, succinate dehydrogenase is a critical critical enzyme in both the citric acid cycle, which Mm -hmm. is what digesting the sugars, and also electron transport. It plays a role in both. It's the only enzyme that plays a role in both of those processes that go on in the mitochondria. So it's super critical enzyme for the mitochondria.
1: That's terrifying. And you spoke to it towards the end of your book, and this is what I think makes it a little scarier. And it really makes me practice what I preach and, you know, don't become disillusioned. Don't look at it and go, Oh, it's a mountain. I can't move. But it's not even like, it's not even like a groundbreaking book on, on the dangers of smoking where you can stop smoking. I mean, this is.
0: Yeah, you can't. Get rid of it. I, mean, I really can't imagine someone sitting in their home in the in the country next to a big farm where they're growing GMO corn, you know, and they're reading this book and they're like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I, well, mean, I could I could imagine getting really agitated. Um, oh, well, even me, aware
1: it's I mean, a lot of the solutions are, you know, buying organic and making sure. But what about people that. Smoking's one thing; you can white knuckle it and stuff. I've never smoked, so I don't know what withdrawal of nicotine's like. I know it's hellish, but I mean, a lot of these—it doesn't even matter if you figure out the solution if, if you're not yeah, well you off. You can't
0: get away from it. You know, well, I mean, if, if you don't even have the money, major life change, right? And, if you're and, raising
1: yeah. kids and you you have to buy the the, the mass produced ten pound bag at Walmart because you can't afford, so then it doesn't even matter if you're aware. You actually yeah. can't even afford, and it's that's a that's a tough pill to swallow.
0: Right. But I do think you can, uh, even if you're poor, you can become aware of which foods are really, really bad, you know, mm-hmm. really likely to have high levels of glyphosate and just conscientiously avoid those, yeah. you know, or buy them organic, spend the extra money for the organic, find a way because um, it's going to get, come back at you. The money is going to be saved by virtue of your improved health. You know, if That's one true. Of your family members gets cancer. You've got a big problem. That's true. We don't want that. To. So, yeah, that's a, you know, that's a good point.
1: That's a good point. You're, so, spend you're... the
0: extra money, but especially to be informed about exactly which foods, which people don't really. It's not easy to know that because the government yeah. doesn't test, but um, but there are enough independent researchers who have tested to give a, a profile. And as I said, it's not enough to buy non-GMO because many of the highest levels are found in non-GMO foods, yeah, like the um, the oats and the and the wheat and the garbanzo beans and chickpeas. Now. Uh, barley
1: this is i guess this is more of like a meta question um is this just the is this the price of having a more mechanized industrialized civilization
0: i know it's a good question actually because i've really thought about that and it kind of is true i think that there's a pattern around the world yeah you know you have an agricultural uh, country mainly agricultural such as china not that long ago and then, if the agriculture com- company country wants to come into the technological age, they need a lot of people to do the technology
1: uh, you just gotta jobs, mass produce.
0: And if you can cut way back on the number of people that have to spend their time farming, because it, you know, agrarian societies can have like, I think 50, 60% of their people are farmers. Yeah. That's uh, whereas over. in our country, I don't know, it's like 3 or 4%. I mean, you can have a, a single farmer with a vast, you know, fields mm-hmm. that he can handle. Almost on his own, almost single-handedly, because it's so easy and it's so mechanized, um, it makes food cheaper, of course. Yeah, uh, and it frees up people to do other jobs, and that could be a critical um, aspect of the of advancing into the technology, not technological age. That you need to have um, human resources to put into the technology. That if everybody's busy growing crops, you don't have that. So that's a really kind of I've wondered about that.
1: It's. It's a, it's a big, it's a big thing to go. And then you have to almost wonder, you got to zoom out even more. And you got to go, is this sort of like, almost taking a loan, where in the moment, if you look at a day to day, you go, how, how are you, how is this a successful business, you're $20,000 in debt? But if you zoom out 10 years, you might go, yeah, but I took that loan and I built a company and that became, you know, whatever. I started Apple. And then you go, oh, well, it makes sense over three decades. You become a trillion dollar company. You got to wonder, do you move everyone from the agrarian society to say chip manufacturing or the, the, the stem field? And then over generations, okay, we accumulate all these errors from glyphosate, but we advance so far that all of a sudden gene therapy you know when we first did the human genome project it was like what like 13 billion dollars and now you can swab your cheek and go get it in the mail 5 weeks later what is the what does the world look like in 2040 2050 do we look at glyphosate and go ah no we'll just do a gene therapy it costs 2 cents to get it in the mail and all of a sudden you're resistant to go, i don't know like I don't have that answer. Whether you
0: can create a resistance gene and t- take a pill and get a resistance gene. It, it, it
1: might be. <laughs> well, I know
0: they are. It, it, the whole technology in biology is just really wild. And, and the advances that they've made in understanding the genome and in being able to manipulate the genome are, I mean, I think they're terrifying. Oh, it's... And they're making more and more advances every year. And, uh, and of course, they're getting into this whole thing with the messenger RNA technology. Mm-hmm. They really are excited about that. They think they can see dollar signs in their eyes. For all well, the possibilities with messenger
1: RNA vaccines. It's also just we're approaching that event horizon of transhumanism.
0: Yeah, like, right.
1: We don't yeah. even, it's not like, oh, we're all going to have perfect vision. It's like, no, that's thinking inside the box. I mean, you might not need to stay in a bipedal meat vehicle. Like it might, we're approaching, I mean, what, what will probably in a billion years be looked at as something as momentous as like the pre-camb, pre-Cambrian explosion. <laughs> like we're hitting a we, we're hitting a weird spot.
0: Well, we certainly have, um, and it's interesting times. I mean, technology. When you think about how much technology has advanced in in my lifetime, it's really astonishing. And what we take for granted now, as far as the tools that we have, you know, even things like direction finding and um, navigation, and uh, Siri, you know, being able to talk to a computer. I mean, these things are revolutionary really i think in the technologies field but then when you get into technology applications in biology that's where it gets really really frightening because people can make a huge mistake yeah um and we're not uh, regulating it nearly adequately enough Um, no we're in the wild west yes (laughs) and so we're just gonna have to wait until wait and see what happens when you expose all these people to these things and see what happens we don't know but um, it's quite worrisome
1: i uh i i i got a new tv for my for my stu- i justify playing video games because i listen to audiobooks when i play video games so that's how i've justified it in my mind i'm not rotting my brain i'm learning about the cold world. or the last couple days i've been reading your book um uh-huh. but i was just testing it out last night it's a big glossy 4k like you know ooh, shiny toy and i just went to youtube and it was just typed in like 8k video and there's just this you know just beautiful crisp images but it was this like um Hour long compilation of like National Geographic just raw footage, and I found myself la- actually laying in this chair last night at like three in the morning, and I got lost for like ten minutes just staring. Not even just the picture, but what it was was just all these close ups of animals. No music, no editing. Just you know a a deer drinking out of a stream, uh, you know a kimono dragon, a, a lizard in the rainforest. And I was just, and how unique they all were, and you can just tell it's this is the result of billions of years of evolution, and then uh, you can't see it, but there's maybe you can, Mm -hmm. there's a a gaming computer right there that just five years ago that would have been. I mean that would have been sought after as the holy grail of like 4K video game but now it's just another gaming computer and it's like I'm watching this thing of just this painstaking evolution you see the you see the cheetah like laying in the grass and how it's perfectly evolved to stay you know or the bird with the brightly colored uh, feathers and it's doing its mating dance or the moth blending in with the tree and then I'm looking at this that I mean 5 years that's not even that's not even a hiccup in evolution mm-hmm. And I've already seen this thing change. Right,
0: technology has, in fact, has advanced incredibly fast.
1: It melts incredibly. your mind,
0: and then of course, also five G, all the stuff we're doing with yes. EMFs. Yes, and that's just also a train wreck. I think. I mean, we that's don't another know rabbit hole. That's going to be dangerous or not, but we have a lot of people saying it is, and we ought to listen to them. You know.
1: And well, so what I was thinking last night is like. You know, if if you have if you have a bunch of people doing synchronized swimming and one of them speeds up, it starts to much like the, the the protein folding. If you replace glycine with glyphosate, it has ripple effects that you maybe can't see for years. And I was just like, I I'm not entirely sh- and I don't know if it's good or bad. I'm just trying to look at it as like an objective scientific observer. The fact that, like, all of a sudden we're doing this evolution where instead of over 100 million years, we develop a thumbnail all of a sudden, it's in five years. We go from a G an RTX 2060 graphics card to a 3080 to a 4090. All of a sudden, one of these things is straying way out, right? And if you looked at it, and again, in terms of synchronization, like the Blue Angels, you'd be like, hey, one of them's way off track. I don't know if this is. So In a in a weird way, it's almost like our evolution is speeding up and it's having these ripple effects, almost like a wake from a ship and some of it's, 5G, some of us were, were bathing in, in electromagnetic radiation, glyphosate, thalidomide, smoking. And, and then we can kind of see the ripples to, instead of protein folding. And then you see the you know, the primary, the tertiary, all these different layers. What we're seeing now is how they affect. And it's autism. It's animals not reproducing at the same rate. It's problems with ovulation. And it almost seems like these are all coming off of the wake of the ship of this hyper acceleration of like a technological singularity. And it's it can't, like, it can't be stopped. Like you can't legislate progress. If we don't do it, someone else will. I don't know. I mean, I guess that comes back to the first step of just like, you have to start with awareness. I don't know. It's As you can tell, your, your book kind of melted my brain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is it is hard to know how we how we get from here to where we need to be i think it's really hard and i do think um the governments are kind of the last to react so you can get the individual people in the population aware of the dangers of something and then you can get them to start to change their habits um, in order to improve their own life with respect to that particular problem that they now are aware of and uh, and then tell their friends tell their family tell their neighbors you know get get the word out bottom up i think that's um, a good way to go and if you get enough people for example aware that they need to spend the extra money for certified organic food and of course not just glyphosate there's a bunch of other chemicals in the food too you really are it's worth the extra money and i think that if and of course they subsidize the cheap food you know part of why it's cheap is because it's subsidized by the government yeah so why can't they take those subsidies and give them to the people who are building organic farms instead the government could have a big impact if they would be willing to acknowledge that there's a problem, but they are happy to deny the problem forever. Even though we can we can shout from the rooftops and they won't see it, because of all the influence of the industry on the government. I think it's a very sad situation that we're in right now, and of course, pharmaceutical industry as well. Oh yeah, the pharmaceutical industry, the agrochemical industry, they have so much so such a strong lobby in the government that the government just refuses to. Uh, to, to deal with the, uh, the issues that they're causing.
1: I mean, you said in the book, right. The autoimmune industry is didn't, was 108 billion a year. It's, yeah.
0: I can't remember the number, but it, it's big. I know. It's, and even, it, even, the, even the opiate opioid crisis. Oh I don't know God. if I wrote about that in the book, but I think like is related to that because collagen is the uh, most common uh, protein in the body. I think uh, 25% of the proteins in your body are collagen. And uh, collagen is like the glue that holds your body together. And collagen has a huge number of glycines. It has a huge sequence of GXY, 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 where every third amino acid is a glycine. And the glycines are crucial for collagen to form its beautiful triple helix structure that gives it really interesting properties, structural properties that make it work well as a structural protein in your in your bones, in your joints. You know, And so when collagen starts sticking in glyphosate here and there among those glycines, it causes it to to not fold correctly and it causes it to lose its wonderful properties of tensile strength and ability to absorb water i mean and, and causing gelled water i mean it it gets uh, damaged by the glyphosate to the point where you start to get um, joint pain bone pain mm-hmm. and then you need uh, something to deal with the pain and the opioid industry is quite happy to feed you a pill that's going to you're going to get hooked on so that you can they can have a customer for life you know So the the whole thing is just a nightmare for the individual.
1: I feel like if there is a silver lining, it's um. So I look at something like, um, you know, twenty years ago, if you had said, "I want a I want cheap chicken breast," and I don't want it to have any hormones or probiotics or antibiotics, excuse me, they'd be like, "Okay, that's fine, but you know, shell out the money. It's going to be expensive," and. I can see how it has changed in the, just the poultry industry. I mean, starting like five years ago, I know Purdue chicken started it. And I always have to de- delineate between Purdue chicken and Purdue, the pharma company. One is demonic. Right, the, right. the other sells chicken, but mm-hmm. they looked, they kind of surveyed the, the field and what a lot of people are paying for, for no antibiotics and no hormones. So they took the lead and removed antibiotics and it, it took a ton of money and it took several years but it's because there's there was such a market for it that they, a private corporation, responded right. to it, and then you have to wonder. And then I th- I do believe other companies started to copy it, at least in certain subsections, uh, Tyson or or um, Cargill, and they so and then the price started to come down because there's the capitalist market. They right. all learned a better. That's share. right.
0: Once you get the the big and, guys uh, involved, and that's just happening with organics too. There's now. An organic beer that's uh, provided by Michelob. A Michelob okay. Organic. So, and that's that's pretty exciting because usually the organics actually it's really hard to find organic beer. There's only small you know small companies, but Michelob has decided uh, the the customer is ready to, for them to well, be willing to offer an organic uh, if, choice for beer.
1: And if the customer starts to demand it, the you know, you can even just yeah. see a salad at McDonald's cost less than it did 10 years ago because there's a greater market for it now. And so economies of scale apply. And then you have to go, yeah. you can almost judo it and go, well, the corporations are never going to stop lobbying. That seems to be about as American as apple pie, baseball, big military is lobbying. So let's just assume that that's not going anywhere. Well, all of a sudden, all if they start, if the if the lion's share of their profit comes from, say, organic they're going to start lobbying for organic subsidies. So it's, it's not entirely futile. If you start awareness, awareness will lead to people making changes.
0: Absolutely. That's what I think. And then eventually the farmers will get smarter. I mean, they don't want to be poisoned either, right? So if they, think, yeah. if they start to be aware of the, that the glyphosate's poisonous and they realize that their consumer market is shrinking because many consumers won't buy their product. Well, they might be, start to think, well, maybe I should figure out a way to go organic. You know? Well, it can and, be profitable. And, yeah. It, yeah. And, and it takes it, it's a real struggle in between because you have a few years there where you're not you can't be certified organic because you've got all that glyphosate in your soil, but you can be growing our, crops organically and you can't sell them at the organic price. So uh, the government should really step in and say, if you want to convert your farm to organic, we're going to pay you what it takes to make up the difference during that critical few year period that you're in transition you know for the government to help them to convert to organic would be wonderful but are we going to get the government to do that i don't think so
1: well again i think i think yeah if if we come out them with the argument of this is point they don't care but i think if you can do it you can do it with awareness and people start to buy it if it just leads to a larger portion of the market the companies will start to lobby, whatever it is, whether it's making nuclear weapons or selling full organic, they don't care. They're going to lobby for subsidies from that. So you actually can, ch- it's just, it's much like the barge. I always use the cruise ship analogy, but barge is just as good. There's some, there's some growing pains. You know, it's you miss the exit. You got to go another exit. You got to get off and do the loop-de-loop and come back. But you can do it. And it's just, there's a lot of shuffle. Right now I'm moving into this apartment there's a lot of I still got you know my living room is still stacked to the ceiling with garbage and boxes like there is but I I moved up here because I wanted to be closer to family so to me like that's almost like going organic I'm like I wanted to move away from I'm by myself in a state where I didn't know anybody I was in Maryland I wasn't seeing family no social it was just doing the podcast full-time I was like I want to start seeing my mom and dad and brother and his wife and so I moved up here and there's a huge you know growth curve and headaches and you're just like i set up the internet and the internet's dropping and i gotta get a license <laughs> and i'm unpacking and i don't even have i don't have toilet paper crap i don't <laughs> why now i don't know where even know where the grocery store is and i'm forgetting where i live because i don't know this city but as you start to get into the groove like last night i went and saw my little brother that's someone that i used to see once a year mm-hmm. and now i can just drive to his house that's and exactly. i was sitting there with him last night And it wasn't some big thing where I'm flying up and he's got to pick me up from the airport that we're just shooting the shit and I'm just playing with his dog. And I was driving home last night and I'm like, that's why I just went through two years of excuse my friend not two years, two weeks of bullshit of moving Mm -hmm. for that. And I think you can almost use that as a microcosm and go, This shift is going to there's going to be growing pains financially and regulatory, but you can do it. They can make money. We can be healthy. Yeah. Like
0: I mean, the U.S. has in the past been able to really um, launch an initiative very quickly. Sure. I think we have a good response once Analytic we are aware that right? there's something to do. I mean, even if you look at World War II and when uh, Pearl Harbor got bombed. Right? Production we like, Act. Oh, my God. <laughs> you yeah. know, we could have just thought of ourselves as toast and give up at that point, but we didn't. And we came back roaring. I mean, I think we're able to. Uh, We have a lot of industrious people in our country who are willing to work hard. So um, if we can just get them motivated to see what the right path is and then to go on that path, uh, we can make change in a hurry, I think. And also there's a possibility of um, there's a lot of technology actually going into um, designing ways to deal with weeds that don't involve chemicals. And that's pretty exciting too, robotic, you know, using robotics to um to manage the weeds in such a way that you can kill the weeds using you know hot water or something like that laser you can have the um the robot go in and be able to recognize oh this is a weed i need to kill it uh this is not uh impossible to think about and there are people who are doing work in that in that area
1: it is i think that's
0: called a monarch there's a monarch tractor that i'm aware of in california that's being developed really it it, it, gets solar energy you know and it um And it can kind of learn the path and go over there and find the weeds.
1: That's amazing.
0: And and, you know, of course, mow the lawn is a possibility too, which that too. That's not a bad thing either. Like the rumba, you know, the rumba can (laughs) (laughs) clear the dust. That's
1: cool. That's cool. Um, (laughs) So
0: to automate, um, to automate the process of killing weeds without using chemicals, that is actually, I think, a nice space. And there's hope that something like that could um, could evolve. I mean, as human labor is expensive, because human labor is so expensive today it, it, you can spend money on these robotic um solutions that um that might actually be cheaper than human labor you know what i'm saying once you have something equipment like this it can become cheaper than human labor as far as um, the overall cost even it, though this this device you know is expensive to buy type of thing
1: it's um yeah i mean i mean very intense specific and fast moving machinery is I mean, we mastered that in the textile revolution and in the industrial, right? like the, the cotton loom or the weaving, whatever, all the all the stuff we learned about in middle school and high school. I mean, even now, if you ever watch those videos, like uh, how it's made or something, and you just see like, uh, like a million tomatoes flying off the conveyor belt, and then it does it in slow motion and you see them all coming. And if you see one that's misshapen or bruised, this like little plastic flap will come up and smack it into like the, you know, disp- <laughs> and that's not, That's that's like not even like new or impressive. That's not even high tech. That's like old tech. Yeah. Why can't we apply that to to farming?
0: Yeah. So I think there will be, I think once the farmers um, recognize the need uh, and acknowledge the need and decide they need to do something different, then they can put their smarts into figuring out how to do it in a way that isn't based on chemicals to produce really healthy food efficiently and cheaply. I think that will come in time, but it's going to take time to get to that point. And in the meantime, we're all going to get really sick. So that's the problem.
1: Well, again, it's uh right. You used the quote in the book and it's, um you know, don't worry about yourself or your kids worry about the next seven generations. So it's like we might not see the benefits of this, but that's that one of my favorite quotes is society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they won't sit under. That doesn't mean that we still shouldn't do it. It's going to mm-hmm. take time but start pivoting in this direction. I mean, you and I are reaping mm-hmm. the benefits of things we didn't invent. I had no part in the internet being built. I didn't develop mm-hmm. flat screen <laughs> technology. All right. Um, but I was going to... Uh, so um, one guy I've interviewed probably like 15 times now is Dr. Ken Alibak. He was the first deputy director of Biopreparat. He was the chief of the Soviet Union bioweapon program, and he defected to the United States in 1992 and I always have to clarify for people thinking he's like an evil scientist. He didn't, he in the Soviet union, you don't, you don't get a say he was told that he was running this program and it's that or a bullet in the head. Um, He defected to the United States and he's been here for 30 years. And uh, he works on some bio bioorganic company that does something with algae, but his daughter, his youngest daughter has autism. And it's something he's been researching for about 10 years now. And mm. For four, the first episode we did, we talked about his time in the Soviet Union, but the subsequent 14 episodes are all uh, interviews with him and with some of his patients calling in from from Eastern Europe, the former Soviet bloc nations. And he is actually having massive success with uh, changing the gut biome and seeing immediate, well, yeah. relatively immediate, a couple weeks changes in individuals with severe autism Um I think that could be a really cool thing to to put you in touch with him if that's something you'd be interested. Uh-huh. In. You don't have, you don't have to answer it now in the podcast. I probably shouldn't have asked it there, but <laughs> that that would be that was unprofessional of me. But that would be something really cool if you if you or I, I can just send you those episodes and you can decide. But I mean, mm-hmm. that, I thought I actually sent your book to him yesterday. Good. So I, was, I was like, you might want to look at this for your because he is, he is so passionate about this just because of his daughter. But uh, it's the first thing I thought was just you sitting at the lecture getting interested in this i was listening to this it. and it just bing the little light bulb went off and i was like oh my god and i sent it to dr haliback um but i want to ask you about real quick because i'd love to have you on for an episode to talk about uh the human computer interaction what what got you into that
0: oh what got me into that way back then. like
1: siri and <laughs> and, and yeah
0: yeah i don't know i was uh I, you know i originally i wanted to be a biologist uh, and, and i wanted to work research in the biology lab but i was really um i kind of learned early in life that it wasn't a suitable uh path for me because i was i, I couldn't really <laughs> i actually spent a year in graduate school in biology at mit uh, and it was a very tough year because the lab work was just i just i just was in- I incompatible it. with the lab I, it wasn't something I, I enjoyed and i couldn't do it well so I kind of had a crisis actually at that point. And I knew that I had, I have a lot of, uh, for, you know, you can say for a girl, but I, I, math was always an easy thing for me, mathematics. And, and so um, computer science has a lot of math, you know, and uh, I always felt more, I I just, the computers were brand new back when, when Mm -hmm. I was, uh, you know, graduating from college. And I luckily got a job at a, at a company that as a computer programmer at a company where. I didn't know anything about computer programming when I got the job. In those days, they they just, you know, somebody graduate from MIT, even in biology, um, they were looking for people to do computer programming and they were willing to teach you on the job. And I really enjoyed computer programming. I I took to it like a fish to water. And so, um, and that just grew into eventually, I went back and got my PhD in, in computer science and started with the company, actually working at the company and learning the skills learning enough about computer science to be able to get into the graduate school. So um, I, I I really love um, studying science. I think that's really where I'm centered. I love to study science and especially biology. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just, um, what I do is mostly all thinking. You know, it's not, I don't, I don't work in a lab. I never have, I, mean, I guess, a computer lab, but that's just computers. And that doesn't yeah. seem like a lab to me. I love it that you can just write code and make something happen. You know, so I was very rewarded by the by the fact that you could write this code and then have the computer recognize speech, understand speech, you know, carry on a dialogue. It was very challenging work and I really enjoyed it. And I have a lot of papers that came out of that research, but, okay. But I wasn't um, anticipating, you know, what would it mean if this technology were really out there and some of the technology that we developed, of course, is being used in ways that are, that are scary. I mean, all this sort of um, monitoring of people Mm. and, um, Face recognition, for example, is so good that you can find criminals in a crowd and, um, you know, all this kind of um, government awareness of every move you make type of thing, f- tracking you so they know where you are mm-hmm. and all of this stuff that's come out of my field um, is, is scary. Um, and of course, snooping on your conversation, right, as well. <laughs> Speech recognition means you can, you can intercept a phone conversation and and analyze it and figure out what they said. So this is all, these are sort of scary applications of our technology that I didn't really think about a lot when I was doing it.
1: It has certainly made the censorship state, uh, it has certainly facilitated the more pronounced arrival of the censorship. I, I, me and my friends also have a, we have a video game channel where it's, just a side foot. there's no goal to it we just play video games and record it and we're just chatting and we can be talking for five hours and uh all the while there's guns going off and whatever i'll get videos flagged on there because they're on youtube because it's just mm-hmm. a gaming channel i don't i don't care about it because out four hours in you know one of the guys asked Tommy, you know uh what were your podcast today oh i talked to dr malone about covid vaccines all the blah, blah. that mm-hmm. little step four hours in you know it's not because it's not the gaming channel has like five subscribers. Again, it's just us having fun. So it's not like someone reported it. You know that it's not like I have some hundred million subscriber thing where I have like a Google employee assigned to me. You know, that was auto transcribed. And that's chilling where you're like, I don't even know I said
0: that. I know. I know that is really disturbing, isn't it? Yeah. But I also much like
1: evolution and natural selection, driving variants of viruses or whole organisms that can evade selection pressures. We're also seeing a a blooming of of variants of technology. Rumble, BitChute, Odyssey. Uh, I know. It's good that, that
0: there's way to, ways to fight back. And it's yes. become a whole other world of the sort of a parallel world. Yeah. So, yes. And, and writers are getting lots of opportunities, you know. Substack.
1: Uh-huh. So it's.
0: Yeah. Substack it's, and, and there's Rumble and all these uh, different branches that are uh, avoiding the, the censorship.
1: So, in a way, it's almost beneficial that this happened because otherwise we we would have been led like lambs to the slaughter but once they started to play the censorship card
0: people found a way around it
1: so i think that is a good thing so i'm trying to find the silver lining in things. so because i don't want to just doom and gloom and so i think that has to apply to glyphosate is there has to be a silver lining i'm not sure what it is yet but i'm gonna No, i do think
0: that uh, enough if enough people um want to buy the organic food I think the farmers will want to grow it. They'll yeah. eventually come around and one by one, you know, and some sooner than others, but um, it's going to be a major transformation of how we grow food. And of course, it's also connected to the processed food industry. That's kind of, they're kind of joined at the hip, the glyphosate and the processed foods, because they, the processed foods come out of those GMO crops that are, you know, massively grown in our country. We really should have a more, um, we should have a lot more fruits and vegetables being grown on farms instead of just massive cornfields and soy, soybean fields, you know. But you get uh, all these processed foods that come out of that industry and that are loaded up with glyphosate and other chemicals. Um, and, and the processed foods are also nutritionally deprived, you mm-hmm. know, uh, eating. Oh, them. yeah. A green vegetable has so many interesting molecules in it that are not just fats and carbs and proteins. Yeah, yeah you know? with the
1: phytochemicals and, and exactly. Yeah, You're eating a lot
0: of herbs and spices. I definitely believe in that. Garlic and ginger and yeah, you coriander. mentioned yeah, coriander,
1: yeah, coriander, turmeric. Yeah,
0: yeah, all those ger- yeah. herbs and spices. They make your food more delicious and they uh, and they're very healthy. And, and I think people don't really realize how important they are to your health, not just to the taste of the food, but to your health.
1: Yeah, the macronutrients is that's like a general broad brush. Yeah, you need proteins, carbs, fats. Yeah, but people is, seem
0: to think that that's all you need. You know, yeah. that if you just had proteins, carbs, and yeah, fats, then you'd then be you're fine. fine. But that's and kind they, of what's in the uh, processed foods because they, you know, they they take them apart. They take the foods apart into proteins, carbs, yeah. and fats, and then they mix them back together again.
1: Well, it's like you could say an apartment building is made out of brick, cement, and uh, lead piping.
0: Yeah. Sure,
1: but I live in a in a place that also has. Carpet and paint on the walls and leather chairs and like so like yeah you can get by with the bare bones Soviet architecture but like there's a lot more that fills it and that's the mm-hmm. that's the micronutrients the 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 trace minerals the the phytochemicals, um, but I will uh, I'd say let's let's wrap this one up. Um, I would really love to have you on again and and kind of just give you the floor and and hear about your your time working in um in uh in computational models and, and and ai. I think that would be fascinating as well. If you'd like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that would be cool. I also apologize. I kind of became aware of it during this podcast. I've been interrupting you a lot and I try not to do that. And every once in a while I'll realize I did it a lot during a podcast more than normal. And my excuse is I only do that when I'm really excited. So mm-hmm. take that as a compliment. I'm sorry. I realized I was chopping you off a lot or cutting you off a lot um but that's just because i'm excited so that's a good thing um dr Zenith, thank you so much and um if you have any links or anything that you'd like me to put in the description aside from the book website social media please send them along and i will put them in there and i will email you the episode when it's up and I'll, I'll, i'll give you the final word final word for everybody listening
0: Oh, final, uh, so, yeah,
1: your final thoughts. <laughs> yeah, final th-
0: no, just uh, I, I want to say get out in the sun, sunshine. I haven't said that yet. And that's something I always like to make a point of. Yeah, get, get, your, get your sunlight exposure, not just the vitamin D. Sunlight is very healthy, just like for the plants. Animals have figured out how to use the sun as well. And, and uh, people don't appreciate it enough
1: go put your feet in the ocean right you know get all the, there you go. the negative ions right I- the negative ions negative ground ions. yourself get get the, the the sulfur molecules the epsom salts and I'm trying to remember it but
0: that's right thank you <laughs> your, your book is fantastic
1: it it is it, it was definitely more complex than most books i've read it it, it takes you got to focus a little bit it's it's a lot of biochemistry at least i think it's biochemistry molecular biology but it is fantastic it's terrifying but ultimately it is the first step is awareness and That's what you're doing, and I, I think that's beautiful. So, thank you, thank you so much for coming on here. I will send you the episode when it's up, and I genuinely would love to have you on here again. You are a, you are a, a an intimidatingly intelligent woman. It's oh, I can you. I can tell when I have people. I've 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 got a big ego. I like to think I'm smart, and I can tell when I have someone on here that's running circles around me. And <laughs> you are you are a brilliant individual, and I would love to have you on here again. Thank you, thank you, Doctor Senum. Thank, thank you so much book will be in the description toxic legacy it's terrifying yeah it's it's terrifying i would say that's the conclusive if that was my one word uh my one word summary i would say terrifying but in a good way it's a good it's a good fear to have it's that's what drives you to be better and become better so go grab the book put it on audible you can rewind it and it's a wonderful book thank you so much email you this episode god bless god bless